<laughs> so, this morning, for Steve, has been Steve, Steve in our class for the first time, and um, he, he bought by Robert, so we're in trouble. <laughs> but he doesn't know where we are, and I'm going to just briefly scope him in. So we're, but before we do that, we're going to pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your spirit in our midst. Thank you for what you're going to do with your word in our lives. We're so grateful that you um, invest that word in us and that we can, Father, sense your presence in your life through that word and that we have the great privilege of co-laboring with the Lord Jesus Christ in spreading that word to people who need to hear. Thank you for your presence here with us this morning. Would you uh, bless us with real insight and change us for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in the book of Ephesians and the book of Ephesians splits right in the middle. So, you got your notebooks. Last week we picked, we gave you a picture like that and the first three chapters are who we are and the last three chapters are what we do. So, <clears throat> we've started on the last three chapters and there are five walks. Walk, 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 walk. And the first walk is walk in integrity. <clears throat> now, Very briefly, I want, to, I want to scope out that word so you understand that. It's very, very difficult for Josh to be integral because integral means three things. Integral is a part of your... Um, your actions, your words, and your thoughts. <clears throat> when Robert's <clears throat> actions, words, and thoughts all cohere, they're all equal, they're all perfect, then it looks like this. So his actions, his thoughts, his words. This person right here is not a very integral person. Because his words don't match his actions. His thoughts don't match his actions or his words. This part right here is the extent of his integrity. When I say for instance, that Jesus Christ controls my life, at that point, my words would always reflect that every single time. Even when you kicked me in the shin, when you backed into my car, when you turned the cold water on, I'm in the shower. All that time, it would be the exact same thing. In order to get this, to, to get these... This is Jesus. 
So we'll draw one more person. This person is much more integral. Does that make sense? Chase will give me the right answer. Does that make sense to you, Chase? Not quite yet. <laughs> this is his words, his actions, his thoughts. And because they're mostly together, this part right here is integrity. So he's far more integral than this person is. And the whole purpose is to get all three of them. That's why, now look at, look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Read it for us. Sean, read it for us. 4 1. Okay, thank you. Oh, I implore you, I beg you, I, I urge you, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called. So we're talking about calling. When's the first time we saw calling? Where? The hope of his calling. In chapter 1, verse 17, 18, the hope of his calling. We talked about your calling. We talked about your inheritance. We talked about your power. So when he says walk worthy of your calling, he's referring back to chapter 1. And he says, I want you to be like this in your calling. That's why the word, why it's walk in integrity. Am I making sense? Okay, so we've got five walks. First is integrity. Today we are walking in integrity. And next week, uh, Hutch is going to talk about walking in truth. We'll start with truth. Today we're going to finish walking in integrity. And walking in integrity started <coughs> with walking with uh, um, unity. And then it said walk unity of spirit D-I-V-E-R period. Diversity of gift. And then the third thing it talked about was exercise those gifts. So, last week, we passed this out. Your notebooks, look that one up. It's the white sheet, got a little bit of yellow in it. Stephen, you get one. Does anybody else not have one available to them right now? You guys share one right there. Everybody else can see one?
So, everybody looking at it? So, <clears throat> we subtitled this, God's Program for Bodybuilding. So, this is God's gymnasium, or His program for bodybuilding. And if you look at it, there are four things He does. People He designated, process He designed, purpose He defined, product He described. We talked about the people He designated, and he picked out the leaders, so they have gifts. He talked about the gifts when he talked about the diversity of gifts in uh, verse 4 3, or no, 4 um, probably 7. He talked about the diversity of gifts, and all of those gifts, some of them were found in everybody in this room has a gift. Hutch has a gift, Sean has a gift, Jenna has a gift. Panda has, Amanda has a gift. <laughs> Sorry about that. Robert has a gift. Everybody in this room has a gift. And he's given some of the leadership the responsibility when he starts in verse uh, 11. He says he does these, some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. And last week we talked about the fact that three of those apostles, excuse me, two of those apostles and prophets where foundational gifts no longer exist. Uh, now we have evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And for just a minute, I want you to translate that pastor-teacher into the word coach. They are basically coaches. That's who they do. They're a coach. So I'm a teacher of teachers. Okay, My job is to turn some of you guys into teachers. And you're going to find that out starting next week. We're going to go almost every other week. We're going to have a different person teaching because they're practicing teaching. And there'll be gift of helps. There'll be there, the gift of evangelism. All kinds of different gifts. Today we're looking at exactly um, the process that he told the coaches to do. He says, you are not to primarily play the game. You are to coach people who were to play the game. Who was the coach of the Dallas Cowboys for so many years? Tom Landry. Tom Landry. How many of you ever heard of Tom Landry coach the Dallas Cowboys? He was famous. How far could Tom Landry throw a football? Not very far. How, fa how fast could he run? Not fast. <laughs> you really don't know. You're guessing because nobody knows. Nobody cares. The question wasn't how fast could he run, how fast. They don't care about that. They want to know what can he do with a quarterback or uh, how fast could a fullback run. That was the key. What can I do with the player? He's the coach. He's the coach. So the process is the coach helping you develop your gift. That's the process. The purpose, you're looking at the purpose now, unity, maturity, conformity. We all arrive together. I cannot get there unless Shamil is there with me. Unity, maturity, conformity. Those are three philosophical goals. That's what he is after in the big picture. Unity, maturity, conformity. And we've been through it before. We won't take time to go through it again, but maturity has two elements to it. Shamil is mature Time, applied truth. It takes time. 
you, I'm sorry, you cannot be mature right now. You just can't. You're only 26, 4. 24, my goodness. If I think long and hard, I can think back that far. I'm almost three times her age. She can't be mature. It takes time. It takes time. It takes time. And during that time, one thing has to happen. You apply truth. If you're not applying truth, and the military has a term called mark time. What does mark time mean? March in place. You're not going anywhere. You're not growing. You're just marking time. When I start marching, now I start growing. But as long as I just do this, I never grow up. So have you ever seen a 50-year-old man who can't control his spending habits? He's immature. I don't care whether he's 2 or 52. If you can't control your spending habits, you're immature. If you can't control your temper, whether you're 2 or 62 or 82, you're immature. You've got to apply truth. And we're all immature. You can't be immature yet 85. <laughs> and I got news for you. It doesn't happen at 85 either. <laughs> time times applied truth takes a long time to grow up. So unity, maturity, conformity. How do I know when I've arrived? When I look just like Jesus. When every word out of my mouth is exactly what he'd say. Now he teased. He could rebuke in love. But his words were always edifying every single time. That's the unity, maturity, conformity. Now, we're going to spend the rest of our time today if we're going to boil those unity, maturity, conformity. We're going to put clothes on that. What does it actually look like? And that's where we are down at the bottom. At the, bottom. the product he described. At the very bottom of that sheet. You see it? That we no longer walk as children. And he gives two ways that children walk as children. One, they're there by circumstances. And secondly, they're there because somebody tricked them. Somebody is deceiving them. He says, they're carried about. Notice, we're no longer children tossed here and there by ways. That's circumstances. But that's different than somebody carrying you about, leading you astray. In fact, you see by the trickery of men, you know what the literal translation of that is from the Greek New Testament? Rolling dice. By dice throwing. Dice playing, a trickery of men. Carried about by every wind of doctrine. Oh, have you heard about this one? Oh, this is, this is new. Try this one. The, uh, Every wind of doctrine you're carried about by. Don't get, don't get carried about by every wind of doctrine. And lastly, by craftiness and deceitful screen. Thus, children, you're never going to grow up when you're there. But by way of contrast, we may, speaking the truth in love, we may grow up in all, in all aspects into Him. And I put it up here 
So you can see it. It's too far, especially in the back. You cannot read that, but you know where I am, and you can follow it on your sheet. This is the process. Do you know what causes... Keith, when you first came to this church, how long ago was that? Two and a half, three years. Two and a half, three years. You came to our Sunday school class. Any people in it? Eleven. But what happened? What happened? Look at that. Look at that. What happened? What happened? This is what happened. The body causes the growth of the body. I wish I could take a cutting torch and etch that into your mind. The body causes the growth of the body. It is not me that causes the growth of the body. It is you. You cause the growth of the body. If you don't get involved, the body doesn't grow. Now, notice the prerequisite. You don't have to spell all you have to do is to know the first couple of letters and you can put a period behind it. And they think you don't have time to write it. I don't have time to spell it, but that's okay. The prerequisite being filled, being, uh, what is it? Being fitted and held together. Actually, Paul made that word up. There wasn't a word like that. It's the only time you'll find it. Being fitted and held together. He, he had to make it up. I want something to be fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. So, Ryan, we need you, buddy. Amen. Every single joint. Ryan is a joint. Not one you smoke. He's what, he's what enables you to move your foot. So if, if you don't get involved, the body is hindered to that extent. Being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies. So we're causing the growth of the body. We're causing standing room only, okay? Causing the growth of the body according to the proper working of each individual part. Cody, where'd you go? Where'd you go, Cody? Cody is learning to be a medic. And they're going to train him so well when he gets to the battlefield, if somebody shoots, he can walk over and say, Buddy, your problem is not that bleeding out of your side. Your problem is you've got a tumor in your brain and you can't see it. <laughs> Cody, I won't ask you, but he's supposed to learn every bone in the body. Everybody in this room has a stapes. Did you, did you aware of the fact, Jamie, that you had a stapes? You do. You got a stapes. It is the only bone in her body that never grows. You were born with a stapes that never grow. It's about the size of a grain of rice. 
is located in the middle of your inner ear. It's the middle section of your inner ear. It never grows. Without it, she can't hear. <laughs> no, the problem here is not, it's not her hearing. That's what I want to tell her. But without the stapes, you can't hear a thing. Without... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, when the stapes get sick, <laughs> when, the, when the stapes get sick, it feels very nauseous, and it can get so bad that people sometimes, I had an uncle that got sick with it once, and he had to lay in bed, but he had to have his foot on the floor to stabilize it. Otherwise, the room felt like he was going like that, and, and he'd feel like he was thinking to vomit because his stapes wasn't functioning. Jessica is a stapes, folks. This is a stapes. Without her, you can't hear. When she's out of kilter, you're sick, man. You can hardly move. You feel nauseous. Joe is a stapes. Joe's a vertebra in the middle of the back. Have you ever had your back go out? I had a back go out once when I was about uh, 36. I remember uh, I was the administration bill in the college, and I, my back went out. They carried me home. I was on the living room floor. Sorry, folks. Hold Piper's ears. It was about 30 feet from the living room to the potty. And when I had to go potty, it took me 45 minutes to crawl from the middle of my living room to the potty because my back, if I moved it wrong, when, you're, when, you're, when your vertebrae is out, folks, your mouth makes no difference whatever. I don't care how skillful you are. If your vertebrae doesn't work, they can't get you there. Now, when is the last time that Keyshawn ever said, good job, Verts. You guys are doing good today. When did you pat your vertebrae and say, man, you guys are... You don't give any credit to your vertebrae. They just better work or I'm going to be mad. <laughs> the body causes the growth of the body according to the work of each individual part. We need you. We need you. Everybody, everybody has a part. Marissa feels like, what can I contribute? We need you desperately. You're my, your L, what do they call the very bottom vertebrae? What do you call that? I don't know. But anyway, she's there. The lumbar. There you go. She's the lumbar. Now, in my immature days, oh, dear Lord. And the president, I was a college, I was the president of the college in Denver. And I was immature. I would hate to tell you how immature I was. I remember one time, because I was the president, I had a parking spot assigned for the president. It said, President. Big letters. President. And I pulled in that parking lot one day, and somebody parked in there. 
You're right. Oh. I got in my car. I went inside. I said, who's in that parking spot? Whose car is there? I was immediately, you got to be kidding me. The president of, um, that's how immature you can be and still be president. And I finally found them. They were a visitor trying to enroll in the college. So I couldn't be mad. What's the term for this? This is proportion. According to the proper working of each individual part. In this, my friends, is the purpose to the building up of itself in love. So when I was the president, I was responsible for finding all the chapel speakers. We had a chapel speaker four days a week. And I get good at selecting people who could really, they were spellbinders. And I thought the really important people are the spellbinders. They could blister the paint on the wall. They could rivet both cheeks of your butt to the chair. You couldn't move. You couldn't go to sleep if you tried to because a spellbinder was at work. And then I got the terrible news that my wife at that time, most of you know I'm divorced, at that time decided that she wanted a different approach to life. And I could go do my thing and she was going to go do her thing. And the board at the college said, you know, this is not, this is, and this is like, what, 1960? Oh my goodness, this is before Jamie was born. Um, 61, 65, 67, I don't know, 82, 3, something like that. Uh, and so here I am, the board says, I'm sorry, you can't work any longer. You're divorced. And I, my world came to an end. Uh, we were located in the colleges in Denver. We had our own radio station, so we had uh, the largest Christian radio station in the city of Denver. All the Christians listened to KWBI. It was just what you did. And, uh, oh, he's divorced. And so I went to my office at about 8 o'clock one night to pack up all of my books and pack everything up, and I'm sitting there and uh, I just hired a new dean of students. I hired, him, I hired him because he had this incredible power to love students. If Jack, I've forgotten Jack's last name now, but if Jack put his hand on you, buddy, you grew under the love of God. He had just an incredible skill in loving people. And Jack happened to be at school that night, and I called Jack. I said, Jack, can you come here a minute? He came in the office, and I had a little two-person seat in front of the desk where the people would come and sit. And I was sitting on one side, but he came and sat on the other side. And uh, I just sat there, and he put his arm around me. He didn't say a single word, not one word. He just put his arm around me. 
And I began to cry. And I must have cried for five minutes. A long time. Finally, I got my act together. And I said, thank you, Chad. He got up and walked out of the room. The ministry of presence. I'd never experienced it before. But do you know what I felt it that night? I was so grateful for it. I'd gotten five of the guys together and we started a church called Foothills Bible Church. And the church had just poo, grown and grown and grown. And uh, now I'm fixing to leave. And so the church came over and packed up my house. And a pretty big house. Two kids, lots of furniture. And I remember one of the ladies that came in, she was a military wife. And <laughs> talk about the gift administration. She says, Bill, and she had a big box. She says, I'm here today to help you move. Open the box, Jane. She opened the box. She says, I moved 16 times. I'm going to move you today. And she started out, George, pick those, take those boxes, put them together. And she packed my house up that day. It was just amazing. It would be the storm out. God provided so many, many, many things. But now I arrived down in Houston, Texas from Denver, Colorado, and a day and a half later. So I arrived at about 4 o'clock in the afternoon with truck, and we're pulling my car, two little girls, and... Um, I called my brother because he'd come in, when he found out that I was going to get out of the ministry that he'd come he says I want you to come back and put together a company and let's take this thing national so we're going to put a, a national retail pesticide company with a slogan ask us how then do it yourself and so we were going to take this all over the country and I came down to, to lead the charge and I called my brother and says I'm here can you send a couple of guys from the plant over to help me unload the truck he said sure so he sent four college students over, and those four college students, I stood at the bottom of the truck, and I just say, room one, room two, room three, room one, room four, and they basically unloaded the truck in an hour. Of course, there were boxes in every room stacked up everywhere. And 6.30, my brother called and says, come over and take a shower. We'd set beds up for the two girls and a bed up for me, and I went to take a shower, and I came back, and I'm exhausted. It's like 8 o'clock, and I said, girls, it's time for bed. And we went to bed, and I said, I got on my knees, and I said, Lord, please come tonight. <laughs> please come tonight. <laughs> and because he wanted me to grow, he says, no, I can't do it tonight, Bill. Sorry. And I got up the next morning. And I'm walking around the house. The girls are still asleep, and I'm just, I'm looking, and I said, I can't do it, God. I cannot put this house together. My brother must be, he must have stopped on the way to work to rattle my chain. Yeah, that beat Richard. I went to the door and opened the door, and there was a tripod standing in the doorway. A big sheet of cardboard on the tripod about like this size. It had three words written on it. Foothills Unloading Service. Two women from Denver 
Had bought plane tickets, flown down, spent the night in the motel. Came over that day to help me put my house together and unload the boxes. All they had was the gift of helps. They couldn't speak. What use are they? I learned that day when God built the body, He knew how desperately it needed the gift of helps. Don't you ever, ever say to yourself, I, don't, I only have the gift of helps. We need you. We need every person in the room exercising their gift. That's what the body is. And when the body is fully at work, Jesus is magnified. You had a wonderful breakfast this morning because a lot of ladies have the gift of helps. You better pray that your wife does. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reason of which you constructed the body. Father, we all need to be needed. It's so encouraging to have little children run because they need you. We need to be needed, and you know it, Father. You built it in us. It's in our DNA. And you gave each one of us a place in the body. We don't have to compete for it. You placed it. You gave it to us. God, give us the wisdom and the motivation to be about who we are for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.